for being here. And um, we miss you when you're not here. And uh, so it's good good to see you here. Um, we are going through the Gospel of John. For those of you that, that have been here, you know that. Um, and I just want to say, too, that, you know, I want to always make this known. Like, we're not, you know, we're a group that is for believers and unbelievers. Unbelievers. So if you're here tonight and you're like, you know what, I'm really struggling. I don't know what I believe. We're glad you're here because that's exactly the type of people that we also want to uh, talk with. We want to be honest. We want to um, look at the Word of God together and think through those questions. So we're, we're a place that's not afraid of um, wherever you're coming. We're a place that's um, hopefully safe and you feel like um, you're not going to be picked on. You're not going to be like embarrassed. You're not going to be... Um, emotionally manipulated, that kind of thing. We want to just be a place that you have freedom, you can be authentic, and you can wrestle with this, wrestle with the Word of God, the Scriptures. And so, um, so if you're thinking about people in your life that you know that you know that maybe aren't believers too, like that's what we want. We want to convey that so that people feel the freedom to bring friends bring people that maybe they're wrestling with these things they don't really believe they don't know what but hopefully the things we're dealing with um we're able to communicate them well communicate who jesus is the gospel and let's wrestle together with those things and so tonight we're looking at john chapter six and this is just another story of jesus doing a miracle um he heals a blind man okay and and then there's a big uh, conflict that happens that particularly reveals people's hearts. And so we're going to look at these different characters. Tonight, it's a little bit different. It's not necessarily like a three-point sermon. It's more like, let's look at the responses of the people to this healing of this blind man. Okay, so as we're reading through this, John chapter 6, I want you to think about the different characters in the story, okay, and how they respond to what Jesus has done, okay, and also how they respond to the Pharisees and what the Pharisees are all about, the religious leaders, okay. So, reading in John chapter, I'm sorry, John chapter 9, if I've been saying John chapter 6, I'm sorry, John chapter 9. Um, so, here it is, here's God's Word. As he passed by, Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent while it is day. Night is coming. When no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. You can all say ooh. Then then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, 
Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud in my eyes, and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? Now then, does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed, if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man... We do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. This ends the reading of God's Word. Alright, that's a pretty amazing story. And, you know, I'm not sure um, if you've ever had the experience of, of maybe not seeing well or even being blinded for a while. Um, 
who's been to the eye doctor and had to get, you know, ophthalmologist and you get your eyes dilated, you know, and they give you those like crazy little sunglasses, like the flappy sunglasses that wrap around your head and you go outside and you are just dying because it's so bright and you can't see. Yes, I've had that experience. It hurts. It hurts for about two hours and then it goes away. But this guy was born blind. Okay, so all he knows is darkness. All he knows is hearing, smelling, touching. Um, But he cannot, and he can speak, but he cannot see anything. I mean, he is in a desperate situation. So Jesus enters into this. And so I briefly want to go through the characters um, of this story. And here's a brief summary. The man born blind, okay? The blind man is noticed by Jesus and he's healed by him. He becomes a picture for us, um, not only for his physical blindness, but for spiritual blindness and how Jesus opens his eyes, okay? Not just physically, but spiritually. And this is something that we see Jesus doing kind of all through the Gospel of John where he takes some physical aspect, but he's actually talking about a spiritual aspect that he's come to heal. Okay. Then there's the religious leaders, okay, the, the antagonists. Okay? They're, 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 these, are the, these are the Pharisees of the day. Okay? And they are upset that Jesus would do this, that Jesus would heal on the Sabbath, and they are totally consumed with hatred for him, that they miss what is going on totally. Because they're all about control, and they're all about disproving Jesus. Okay, then you have the parents of the man, and they are living in fear. They are living in fear because these Pharisees, these rulers, are um, saying that hey, if you even acknowledge Jesus might be the Christ, you are excommunicated from the synagogue. So you have those people. Then you have the disciples, and they are filled with philosophical questions. Okay, they're, when they see the blind man, they're like, Jesus, did, was it this man's sin that caused him to be like that? Or was it his parents' sin? So they're, they're kind of, you know, out, almost out in left field. I mean, it's a legitimate question. But there's all these reactions to this story. And so the question is, it comes back to us. What about you? <laughs> what about me? Who are you in this story? Because when John writes the gospel... John is writing that we might enter in. And he's saying that all of these things are done so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. And by believing, you might receive his grace and have life. And so in all of these stories, I love the Gospels because we can ask that question, like, who am I? You know, which heart is most like my heart in the story? And this is where the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures convict us because these stories are so wonderful because we can enter in and they have multiple layers. And we can see in ourselves the fear of the parents. You know, we can see in ourselves the philosophical questions of the, of the disciples and they're just kind of out there. And we can see, um, hopefully, the faith and the belief uh, of this blind man. And so... Um, that is the question. The question is, who are you? You know, um, who do you identify in here? So we're going to look at the blind man, and he's really a picture 
of the one in need. He's a picture, again, of someone blind from birth. Have empathy. Just close your eyes. Think about that. What would that be like? I don't know how old he is. He's probably maybe his 20s or 30s. He's been there a long time. He has a reputation for being uh, a beggar in the community. People recognize him. And it's funny because when he is healed, I guess his whole, his whole appearance changed because now he can see. His eyes were blinded. Now they're open. And some of the people don't know if that's the same guy because he's been touched by Jesus. But this one's, his, his life is one of being in the dark. His, his, his life is one of begging. He's just trying to survive. All he knows is need. All he knows is darkness. He's a beggar. He can't work. He's basically dependent upon people giving him something to live and to survive. But Jesus is saying also metaphorically, okay, that all of us are blind. And he's saying something really interesting. He's saying when you admit that you're blind, when you admit that you're in need, when you admit that you have no hope, when you admit that you don't understand, that's actually the best place you can be. When you admit that you're broken in sin, when, you're, when you admit that you're actually blinded and you don't really understand everything, that's actually the place where God's grace and His Spirit meets you. And he's saying at the end of this that like so the people that think they can see, they're actually blind, and the people that are blind, they're ready to see. And so Jesus plays with this analogy of blindness and sight and darkness and light as we go through there. And so John is asking us, like, what about us? What about us? Maybe we're not physically blind, but we see in John in this whole Gospel that he uses these physical elements to point to deeper spiritual truth. He talks about being born and then being born again. He talks about being thirsty with the woman at the well. And what he's really talking about is like spiritual thirst. And he talks about being hungry. We looked at that, I think, last week in John 6. And the bread and now be, and, and, and how um, we have a hunger for God and who He is. And so, if you're feeling blind, if you're feeling distressed, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling broken, if you're feeling... Um, like you don't know what the future is going to hold, you can't see that far, and you have no idea why you're at the University of Maryland or what major you're doing or like what your life's going to look like. If you're like distressed about those things, I would say to you that actually that is a place where Jesus can meet you. That's a place where if you're feeling like, gosh, I, I've got it all together. No, there's no problems with me. I know exactly what I'm doing. Like I would say that's dangerous. Because Jesus and His grace and His Spirit come to the broken. It comes to the blind. It comes to the people that are saying, guess what? I am a prideful person. I can see my own sin. I can see my problems. I need a Savior. I need someone who can make my eyes see. But we tend to be people that like, we have it all together. Everything's fine. And Jesus is saying, no, you've got to be blind in order to see. You've got to, you've got to be in the dark. Because then, if you're in the dark, I'm going to meet you. Enter Jesus. Okay, so he's there. He's sitting by the, you know, by the way. 
And Jesus enters in, and Jesus notices him. Um, Jesus is seeing the person's need, and this is really all through the Gospels. Where is Jesus? He is noticing the poor. He is noticing the broken. He's noticing the lame, the sick, the blind. Everybody else is like, let me just get to point B. And Jesus is looking at people and He's seeing the brokenness and He is entering in. He's doing something about it. So the disciples, though, they go to Him with a philosophical question. Quote, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? That He was born blind. Now, Jesus is graceful because He gives an answer. He could have said, you guys, this guy's born blind. We can talk about that later. Let's deal with this man. He's in, he's in need. But He does talk to them. And this is, again, Jesus is gracious and he and he gives an answer here he says it was not this is verse 4 it was not this man who sinned or his parents but that the works of god might be displayed in him and so a little side note here this is really a crucial question that a lot of people have and it's all ultimately a pretty radical teaching that jesus has because basically our world says that hey if you if you live an evil, sinful life, then you are going to get punished. In fact, Eastern religions call this karma. Okay? Like if you do wrong things, wrong things will happen to you. You know, bad things will happen to you. And if you do good things, then the universe will look favorably on you and, and good things will happen. And, uh, and so, and then you have other Eastern religions like Buddhism which say like, well, pain is just an illusion. But ultimately, a lot of people in our world believe believe like, hey, if you if you keep living a certain way and it's evil and it's wrong, well, if something bad happens to you, then you deserve that and that's and that's that's actually something you got coming. And these questions have been asked like all through the history of the church and all through the history really of the Bible, because we have Job as a book which deals kind of with this question. And um you know, Job's friend. When Job is struck down, okay, um, and he and his family is wiped out, and his his all of his cattle and all of his riches and his house and everything collapses in a whirlwind, and um, he has boils and everything. His friends come to him and they say this exact thing. They say, "Job, there must be some sin in your life. There must be something that you did. Like you just need to repent. You just need to like." to just admit it and like then God will bless you again and he'll restore you. And they and each of his friends came and they basically said the same thing to him. But you know what? That wasn't right. That wasn't right. Cuz God had this whole other perspective on what was happening to him. And so similarly in this story Jesus has a third way, okay? So it wasn't that the man sinned, and it wasn't that his parents sinned, but it's this. He says um, that the works of God might be displayed in him. Okay? That the works of God might be displayed in him. Have you thought about that in your life? Um, if you thought about your brokenness and your pain and your sin or, or the, the things that are happening in your life, maybe um, uh, if you thought about is what, hap- is what 
is is the is the difficulties in your life is God maybe actually doing something and I would say to you yes he is now do we sometimes suffer because of our sin yes we do um, you know if you would go if you would get wasted and go driving and get in an accident like that's a pretty clear like okay you just did that and this is what happens that was stupid okay but Whenever you're counseling someone, you should never say that to some extent. Because you don't know what God is doing. That God may have... It's not just because, okay, all of us are sinners. We're all broken. The fall is real. So part of the reason is, yes, the wages of sin is death. This world is under a curse. Bad things happen because this world is broken. And we suffer pain and evil. Okay, this... We don't understand all these things. But the other thing, and what I would say is the graceful thing of God, and the amazing thing of God is, no, somehow in His sovereignty and His control, even what we read tonight, God is working, even in the bad things, to bring about His glory and also to uh, to grow you and to make you into something beautiful. How that works, I don't understand it. It's mysterious. But this is what God says. He is good. He is loving. He's not the author of evil. And He's in control of everything. And somehow He's working to show off His glory. Even in your brokenness. Even in your sin. Somehow He is working through all these things to bring about the glory of Jesus. And that's why Paul says in Romans, for we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. These are hard questions, but Jesus is giving an answer. But I would say this is a graceful, this is a gospel answer. He says, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. That's not, dude, you're a sinner. That's why you're blind. Like you must have done something. You've thought, you know, evil thoughts. That's what happened to you. Or your parents did evil things. Jesus is saying, no. This is part of my plan. And I'm going to bring about the glory through this miracle, through your life. And so, you got to go back to that question. What is God doing? God might be doing something totally amazing in your life and in others' lives that, that are going through suffering and going through what we might consider like really awful things. So if, if, if we're ever thinking also that, well, God, you're a monster because you let evil happen or you let these, these hard things happen, we need to think about Christianity as well. And this is a tangent, but this is important. Because Christianity is the only religion where God Himself enters into our pain, enters into our suffering at the cross. He dies. He rises again to eradicate evil and suffering ultimately. And He takes it upon Himself. So, whenever you think about... like. This is awful what, what happened. Well, guess what? God suffered losing a son. Jesus suffered rejection and eternal punishment in His infinite body on the cross so that He would restore all the brokenness. So, Jesus enters into our pain to eradicate it. No other religion is... is there's, that's not out there anywhere else. Okay? So, if you're thinking like... Why is, why is Christianity different and why should I believe it? That's one huge reason to believe it. Because here's a God who steps out of heaven and says, no, I am going to suffer. 
I am going to suffer the worst kind of evil so that I can restore my people and bring about redemption. Okay. Um, all right, that was that was a tangent, but Jesus goes ahead and he heals. You guys saying with me? I know it's I know it's it's this is long, I'm sorry. This is a little bit different. Jesus, I'm just kind of going through the story. Jesus heals the guy. He goes redemptive. Okay, the, the, the disciples are thinking, let's get philosophical. Let's ask big questions. Jesus is like, no, let's help somebody and do mercy. And he says this in verse 4, we, and he's talking about all of us, the disciples, must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day. Night is coming when no one can work. So Jesus goes about healing, and He's not just saying that, hey, I'm going to heal this guy. I'm going to do these good works. I'm going to bring about redemption. He's saying that we all should be a part of that too. It's a command that we must do the works of God. So He's kind of saying to the disciples, guys, yeah, this is bad, but guess what? We need to be about mercy. We need to be about helping people. We need... And you need to be doing this with me. The kingdom of God has come. And we need to be agents of redemption. And so, Jesus goes about that. And in Luke chapter 4, His very first sermon, He said, I've come to open the eyes of the blind. And, in, and he's, he's actually referring to Isaiah 61. And He's saying, I've come to like, set the captives free. Okay, to release the prisoners. I've come to open the eyes of the blind. And so, this is what Jesus is doing. And so when we want to get philosophical, it's always important that we get practical. Um, Because Jesus is about mission. He's about restoring the broken and making the wrong right. And so he's calling his church, he's calling his people, his disciples to do the same thing. Okay? So think about that mission trip in St. Louis. Um, The miracle. The miracle happens. So he, he does this miracle. He says, hey... I'm not just gonna heal, I'm not just gonna like heal you, zap, like boom, you can see. He does this crazy thing. He grabs some mud, he spits on the ground, makes some mud, makes a mud pie. Here's mud in your eye, dude. Like slaps some mud, and then he says, and then he says, hey, I want you to go to the pool of Siloam. You know, like where is that? Like pool of Siloam. And, uh, so he sends him to the pool that means sent. And this, this, um, commentary I was reading, he like went way into this. The pool of Siloam, which means sent. And he talked about how, look at what's going on with this guy. He basically is sent to be a missionary. He said that um, this word should really be translated the pool of the missionary. And so he sends this blind man who couldn't see to the pool of the missionary and what and he basically gets baptized because he's putting water on him and he can see okay you see all these spiritual analogies and then he comes back and he becomes the missionary to the pharisees okay so he he gets sent to the pool of sent he gets baptized and he gets healed and now he goes and he it becomes this amazing missionary telling the truth in fact, this commentator said he's the man who couldn't tell a lie. Because people keep asking him what happens to him, and he keeps telling the truth. Like, this guy, Jesus, healed me. He put mud in my eyes and told me to go wash, and I did. And I went, and I washed, and now I see. And he keeps saying these things over and over again. And even the Pharisees get on him, but he can't help telling the truth and sharing his own testimony because he's been completely changed. And so... 
after after the response, he just gives his testimony again and again. Testimony one um, to to his neighbors in the community first. Okay, so now he's back. He can see they're not really recognizing him. It's like because his face probably totally changed, and they ask him, and he plainly declares, like, "Hey, I am the man. I am the man." Um, you know, they ask him, how were your eyes opened? And then he says, hey, the man called Jesus made mud, anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. You know, basically, hey, I came, I saw, I conquered. I went, I washed, I saw. This is his testimony. Um, he has a story. He's not afraid of it. It's really happened to him. He's been set free. And then the Pharisees enter into the scene. In fact, you can tell the control of the whole community. The community sees the miracle, but then they have to get a then then they want to take the man to the Pharisees. They want to like, okay, like let's go see what our religious leaders actually think about this. This is how controlled they are by these Pharisees which were not good people, okay? They thought they were good, but and the people thought they were good, but they were actually totally missed it. So he's basically on trial twice before the Pharisees. And he's marched before them. And they are hot with anger. They've already figured out who Jesus is. And they believe in their hearts that they want to kill him. And they want to bring him up on charges. And they're looking for an opportunity. And they've already think that like he's, you know, he's, he hasn't followed the Sabbath rules, etc. And they were his enemies. But yet the man doesn't back down. Um, and so they tell him, hey, this man is not from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath in verse 16. Um, and yet in verse 17, he says, hey, he is a prophet. First, he's talking about Jesus as this man, Jesus. Now he's talking about Jesus as a prophet. A little bit later on, he's going to worship him as Lord. Again, in verse 29, the second trial, okay, uh, begins with the Pharisees saying Jesus is a sinner, and the man is bold with his testimony again. He says, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And then he goes into this persuasive argument with them, and actually gets a little cocky in the midst of the argument, I think. In verse 30, it's like, why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone has opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could, not, he could do nothing. So, what I want to say is, he has a full faith. If anybody's watched Friday Night Lights, clear eyes and a full heart can't lose. Okay, this is him. Full, right? I mean, he, he has clear eyes now. He's got a full heart. And he can't lose. Okay, this is him. This is the man born blind that was a beggar. And he is now in a first class argument, persuasive speech with these Pharisees and these learned men. Because Jesus has touched him. He has truth. He has been with Jesus. He has the Spirit. And um, and then Jesus finds him again in verse 38. And he asks him, do you believe in the Son of Man? He says, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. So we have, again, this picture of a man born blind. 
He's given his sight. But more than that, his heart has been changed. His heart has been renewed. And he believes in the Son of Man. And he displayed faith. You know, Jesus puts mud on his eyes and tells him to go to Siloam. He didn't have to go. He could have like, what are you doing to me, man? You're putting mud in my eyes. There was, a, there was faith here. There was faith that was going on. Now, he probably, you know, one thing he could do, he was blind, he listened. And he probably heard about Jesus. Probably heard about these miracles. He probably heard. And so he was ready. He was broken. Okay, he was in despair and Jesus finally comes along and he, here's, and he is ready to go and listen and believe. And so he listens, he believes, he goes to that pool, he is set free. He has faith. It's a picture of faith. It's a picture of someone who was in the darkness and knew he was in the darkness, knew he needed grace, and God gave it to him. What about the Pharisees? Full of unbelief, full of blindness, full of anger. Who does Jesus think he is? This is our territory. Okay? These are our people. What are you doing? And they go into this incredible investigative mode. They're interrogating. He's healed. He's set free from his blindness. And all they want to know is, who did this? When did he do this? They're caught in minutiae. They're caught in the little things. They want to know. They're interrogating him. They judge Jesus not to be the Messiah because he breaks the Sabbath by healing. They set laws out of fear of Jesus. Anyone who acknowledges Jesus as the Messiah is going to be cast out of the synagogue. Their whole M.O. is control. Their whole M.O. is fear. They're not willing to examine the data of who Jesus is and look at the Scriptures. Their mind is made up. This is not an open heart. (laughs) This is a closed heart. Okay, This is clouded eyes. They're not, they're not able to say, hey, there's something amazing going on. This dude we know who's been blind just is seeing now. Can we take a moment and just say, what in the world is going on? They can't. They are totally controlled probably by their bank accounts, by their power in the community, because the Pharisees were. The Pharisees were the upper class rich. They had it together. They had the law down. They were the lawyers. Okay, they were the movers and shakers. They were the money brokers. And they knew the law. And they, here's where their ultimate hope is. When he gets into it, when they get into it with the blind man, they say, we are disciples of Moses. Right there in 29. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. You see, this is their hope. Their hope is the law. Not grace. Their hope is like, hey, we got the law down. We've got Moses down. And we know that this Jesus doesn't keep the Sabbath. And we know that this Jesus is a sinner, therefore. God has spoken through Moses, but we don't know who this guy is. Their ultimate hope is the law. Their ultimate hope is saying, I don't need grace. I've got it figured out. And that's their ultimate blindness and downfall that they couldn't see. Their minds are made up. They're decided. And so they basically just um, 
instill fear in others. I mean, the parents are totally stricken with fear. They won't even... They know that Jesus healed this, their son, but they won't even say that. They say, His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. They basically say, hey, go talk to the man. We don't know what happened. Go talk to the man. He's of age. Go talk to our son. He can tell you. Why? Because they fe- it says uh, they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone would confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Question, do people fear you? Are you approachable and humble? Um, are you approachable and humble? The Pharisees didn't have many people that would come and share their sin with them. Didn't have many people that would come and like say, hey, I've got problems. Because you had to be all together to talk to the Pharisees. And the question in my own heart is like, am I a Pharisee? And I would have to say yes. Okay? I'm a Pharisee. It's easy to poke fun to critique them, but then look at your own heart. I love comfort. I love thinking... I have knowledge. I love the status quo. Jesus came to shake all that up. Jesus came to say, um, you need to see that you're broken, that you're a sinner, that you don't have it all together, and you need me. That's what grace is all about. And so the posture of the believer is that of the blind man, not the Pharisee. The posture of the believer is, I'm hopeless. I'm sitting here beside the road begging, and, and you're looking for Jesus. You're looking for help. And so that's the real question here. The conclusion, the epilogue, brings um, a question for all of us. And it's really a call to decide who you are. Because in the very end of this, if you can go on to 39, um, Jesus says this, and this kind of sums it up. I love this passage because basically, if you didn't get anything else I said, it's right here. 39, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And then some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. So this is really the key thing here, is that um, if you say you can see, your guilt remains. If you say, Hey, I've got it all figured out. I'm perfect. I don't need the. I don't need Jesus. Jesus is saying your guilt remains. But if you are saying like the blind man, no, I'm blind. I'm spiritually blind. I'm a sinner. Um, I can see in my life darkness. I can see I don't have it all together. I need to have my eyes open to you, Jesus. Then that that is where there's hope. That is where grace flows. That's what Jesus is talking about. Admit you're broken, you're lost, you need Him. And then His love and His righteousness and His truth and His light floods into your life. Let me pray. Jesus, thank You for this story and just how You uh, are one who came to open the eyes of the blind. Not just physically, but, but spiritually, Lord, to set the captives free, Lord, to to allow us to look into our own hearts and like see our sin, to see our issues, to see our religious pride, um, to see the ugliness, and to realize that we're not defined by that in the Gospel. That Jesus, You came to release us from that, to say, um, I'm going to give You my righteousness, my love, my grace. I'm going to set You free. And I'm going to send You out uh, to tell that to others. So Lord, give us that um, hope and spirit. 
In Jesus' name, amen. One more song to go. Okay, so we have one more song. Um, this is one that we've done before, and you guys all know, so let's sing it like you mean it. Go with few in number, with mighty in heart. Clear eyes, full heart. Can't lose. Can't lose.
cookies, there's chocolate back there. Get your, get your uh, October 31st, you know, together early. And there's love back there. Lots of love. Lots of love. Like, 